Well, church, we're really excited this morning to have Deb Wood with us. She is the executive director of the Okanagan Valley Pregnancy Care Center. And Deb is here to share with us from the word. And uh, her and I will also have a little Q&A at the close of her talk uh, that will end our service. And then you can actually join uh, kgfchurch.com forward slash the hub afterwards, after the service where we'll have an online uh, chit chat and Q&A with Deb as well. So we're really glad, Deb, that you're here. Welcome. She's going to come uh, from this direction. I'm going to go in that direction. Deb, welcome. Good morning. I just wanted to say happy Mother's Day. And I also wanted to acknowledge that uh, I know that this day can be difficult for some of us. For me, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. My mom passed away in December of 2017, so I don't have my mom with me anymore. Uh, it's sweet because I have three amazing sons and three stepchildren. It might be difficult for some of you because maybe you didn't have a good mom, so why even celebrate Mother's Day? Or maybe you're like one of the girls I was talking to this week that um, hoped that by now she would have a child and hasn't, hasn't been able to get pregnant. Or maybe you placed your child for adoption and so you have, um, you know, you have a hole in your heart and a knot in your stomach. Or maybe you're like one of the girls from the Pregnancy Care Center that ended up being a mom quite unplanned and unexpected. So I would like to suggest today that maybe instead of just acknowledging our moms, that we also acknowledge people in our lives that have invested in us, that have made us who we are today. And all of us have those people. None of us are an island unto ourselves. So maybe take you know, some time, as Pastor Phil was saying, to um, you know, shoot off an email or uh, pick up the phone and call someone or get a card and send it in the mail and just say thank you for investing in my life. And uh, today I want to talk to you about, actually when Pastor Phil asked me to speak about three months ago, uh, I always had made this uh, kind of pact with God and it was like, okay, if you ask me to speak, if I get asked to speak, I'll do it. And so when he asked me to speak three months ago, he's, I thought, you know, last year I think I spoke for three minutes. Three minutes. He's like, no, 25 minutes, two services. I'm like, oh, you're killing me. Like, this is really going to be out of my comfort zone. And so I can tell you this, I definitely don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> I have spent all week preparing this. Um, so my title today is called The Power of Our Story. Um, and when we look in Scripture, it tells us time and time again that um, we should share our stories with each other. So in Psalm 66, verse 16, I'm just going to turn there. It says, come and listen, all who fear God. Let me tell you of what he has done for me. And also in um, Psalms 22, the Living Bible, it says, I will praise you to all my brothers. I will stand up before you, before the congregation, and testify of the wonderful things he has done. So today I want to tell you a little bit about my story, how I became the executive director of the Pregnancy Care Center and my journey and how it's quite miraculous. Um, but before we do that, maybe we could just take a moment and pray. So Father, I just thank you for your love and your goodness. And I just ask Jesus that you will 
uh, you will be the one that guides my words today, that it will you, be you, Holy Spirit, that would, um, would be here today. And I pray for every person out there that you would give them ears to hear, that you would take that which is of you, and Lord, you would just um, cause it to flow into each of our lives to be all that you created us to be, Jesus. So um, a really good friend of mine said to me, Deb, without a test, there is no testimony. And I would like to encourage every one of you to take the time over the next little while to write down your testimony. I think that much like Phil was saying that the church is going to look really different in the next little while. And so you need to come prepared to share. And I don't know about you, but I love when people tell me their stories, when they tell me about those God moments in their life where God has done miraculous things for them. And so uh, recently I was at a, a conference by uh, Dan Reinhardt uh, for all the pregnancy care centers across Canada. And I took this one class called Shaped by God Over a Lifetime. And he recommended this book. It's called To Be Told by Dan Allender. And in it, uh, I just want to quote this. It is your privilege to listen to your own story so you can live boldly for the sake of the greatest story, the good news of Jesus Christ. God reveals himself to you and to others through the story he has written in your life. God writes the stories of your life and he uses the past to open up the future. And that is absolutely true of uh, what happened for me. So I uh, was not raised in a Christian home. My grandma went to the United Church and she got saved in the 70s. She was in her 60s, in fact. And she stood on that scripture in Joshua 24, 15 that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so my grandma did something quite strategic, and that is, is that, number one, she prayed for her, for her grandchildren and her children every single day. So if you're a praying grandparent, I want you to know that it really does work. And she gave us Bibles for our 18th birthday. So it's 1979. I get this Bible, and I open it up. I'm, you know, 18 years old, and it's in a box. And it has the price tag on it, and it says $50. I can't believe it. I'm like, $50? Who knew a Bible cost $50? And I'd never read a Bible in my whole life and, you know, didn't even know where to begin. Little did I know a year and a half later I would get saved in the Jesus movement and ask Jesus into my life. And that was on, actually, I opened it up. It was inside this Bible today, and it was uh, April 27th, 1980. And then a few weeks later, a missionary came to our church and she was like, we need missionaries to go to India. And, you know, I'm struggling. We need Canadians, in fact, because they can get visas easier. And finally, I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go. And so I wrote my grandma a letter. And I said, Grandma, um, I don't know if you know, but I'm a born-again Christian. I'm going to go to India to be a missionary. Well, I'm sure my grandma's heart just jumped. And I was going to Saskatoon. I lived in Calgary. I was going to Saskatoon. And my grandma met me there, and it was in August, and she said, I think you should go to Bible school. And I was like, well, what is Bible school? She's like, well, you know, you'll learn about God, and then you can go, um, you know, you can go to India and tell people about Jesus, but maybe you should learn about him first. And so I get to Bible school, and they give us a test on all of the great men of the Bible, you know, like David and Samuel and Saul and... James and John and Peter, and I completely failed. Well, I didn't know who Jesus was. 
and uh, that he was the son of God. And so I met my, my first husband in Bible school. Uh, we got married, had three beautiful children, moved to Saskatoon, went into ministry, uh, and then he decided that he would like to become a doctor. And so he went to medical school and specialized, and then in, um, and then in uh, 1996, we moved to, moved to Kelowna to set up his practice. And a year and a half, or a year later, our marriage blew up. And it was devastating for me. Uh, literally, my life was shattered. And I think the thing that was most devastating for me was that I, you know, I really believe that in the scripture from Jeremiah 29, 11, that uh, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I was like, how is this a hope and a future, God? Like, I don't understand how this is a hope and a future. Like, I, I don't understand how this could be happening right now in my life. And when I first got saved, my favorite, my favorite singer was Keith Green. And we had little, little cassettes and eight tracks. We put them into our, our cars and played them over and over. And the, my favorite song was, uh, Make My Life a Prayer to You. And there's a couple scripts or a couple lines in there that just jump for me. And the one is, I want to thank you, Lord, for being patient with me. It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. And that is actually true even today. You know, when I've got my eyes on myself, I'm so focused on me and not focused on what God wants to do. And then the other line was, I want to tell the world out there that you're not some fable or fairy tale that I've made up inside my head. You're Christ the King, you've risen from the dead. And he is Christ the King, and he has risen from the dead. And he is coming back to take us away someday. And you have to understand, in the 80s, we thought he was coming then. Like, we really thought that he was coming back in 1980. And here we are, I am 40 years later, and I, I give anything for him to come back today. But if he doesn't, he's got a plan and he's got a purpose for us. So. You know, I, I end up going through a separation and divorce and an absolutely severe depression. Like, literally, I, I believed it was over. I believed that I was done, that I had literally failed at something that should have been so simple in my life, in my mind, and that was love. Like, how could my marriage as a Christian blow up? Like, how is this possible, God? How could I fail like this? And so I figured that my ministry was over, done. You could put me on a little shelf. And so I begged God to take me home. And I, I also believe that it was way better for my boys to be in one home than to be in two. I did not want them to take their suitcases back and forth between our homes. And so I did the most stupidest thing um, and I, I ended up um, trying to take my life and ended up in the hospital in emergency. And I remember waking up and it was like, whoa, I'm alive. Oh my gosh, I'm alive. And this hand reached out to me and uh, I was seeing a Christian psychiatrist at the time and she sent this Christian doctor to me and she reached out her hand and she said, Deb, I want you to know that you're not alone. And something happened in me at that moment, and that was like back in 1997, 1998. And a little dream birthed in my heart, and the dream that birthed in my heart was that 
Someday I would run a center that would advocate for women. Someday I would give back to the world in the same way that these women had given to me, in the same way that, you know, my family for the first year, I live, I came to provinces from Saskatchewan. They sent someone every week or so, my sister, my sister-in-law, my brothers, my dad, my mom. I had a church here. I, I was new, so I, I knew a few people at the church. And those people literally carried me. And they, they believed in me. And I remember, you know, in that hospital room, it was like, you must have a plan and purpose, God. Like, you, I, I'm still here. I don't know why I'm still here, but you must have a plan and purpose for me. I mean, I believe one of the plans he had for me was, and like my doctor said, you need to go home and keep loving on those boys because you've been in their life for 14 years and you need to continue to be in their life. And I am so grateful I did that. I'm so grateful that I, I was able to be there for my boys. Um, at the same time, I went back to school and got my master's in Christian counseling. I needed to know I did not go back to school to get my master's in Christian counseling because I wanted to be educated. I went back to school to get my Christian counseling to find God. Like, where are you in the midst of all of this pain and all of this failure, God? Like, where are you in the middle of all of this? And um, I found him. You know, once again, I found him that he literally is able to take the things that we go through in life, and often those are the very things that he wants to use. Like, we'd rather just hide them and pretend it didn't happen, um, but that's not what God wants. He wants us to be able to speak into other people's lives because of the things that we've walked through in our past. So in 1999, my sister moved here. Uh, anybody that knows my sister, Wanda from Freedom's Door, well, she's not the kind of person that, you know, pulls the covers over her head. So she got us going to a class called Career Development in the 21st Century. So off we went, took this class, and I never left. I ended up being an employment counselor for 20 years. Uh, fast forward, it's now uh, 2017. Uh, my mom is going to KGF here, and um, there's an open house at the Pregnancy Care Center. So Wanda calls me up and says, Deb, mom wants to go to the Pregnancy Care Center. She's thinking of volunteering there. Now, you gotta know my mom is 78 years old, and I'm thinking, what is she gonna do there? So anyways, I say, Mom, like, what are you going to do at the Pregnancy Care Center? And she's like, I've got a lot to offer these girls. Like, I have a lot to offer, and I'm going to go and be a support there. And so, um, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, I don't think it works that way. Well, little did I know that's exactly how it works. I get to the Pregnancy Care Center, and it doesn't matter if you're 25 or, or 80 years old. There is multi-ages um, at the Pregnancy Care Center. And it is the volunteers that go in and meet with the girls and do the options counseling. And, uh, you know, there's 19 volunteers that are at the Pregnancy Care Center right now. And I'm sure my mom's in heaven just going, told you, honey, told you that I could have actually done something. And so it's last March and Darlene and, and my sister Wanda, they're like, you know, Deb, like there's an opening at the Pregnancy Care Center and this might be your dream. And why don't you just like send your resume? And I was right at the time in my life where I'd been employment counseling for 20 years. And it was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for a shift and a change. And I was ready for a shift and change because I could feel God in my heart, like saying, I want you to slide back into giving back to your world, but back in the church. So I'd been out in the marketplace and I, want you, I wanted to do something where I could pray for people, where 
I could encourage people. And so I, you know, went for the interview, and I remember driving across the bridge and thinking, wow, I actually, that they had also got offered a promotion at the, at, uh, the company I was working for, and I'm like, wow, God, like there's, there's two um, choices before me, but this one at the Pregnancy Care Center, it totally seems like my destiny. What would it be like if we all walked in our destiny? Because all of us have gifts and callings and abilities and a place to put them in this world. All of us do. I'm not unique in any way. I think that there are many of you out there right now that you're like me. You have this little dream in your heart and, you know, it's just been sitting there. And now, you know what? The world just changed. The, just, the world just changed before us because with COVID-19, there's not enough pastors to go around, really, if we can only meet 50 people. And if we end up going into home groups, then you know you've got something that you need to do right now. We all do. God doesn't want us to just hide everything underneath the ground. And, you know, for those of you that are more reserved, you might not believe this, but probably the best or the most difficult part of taking on this job was knowing that I'd probably have to public speak. That's the last thing that I wanted to do. But sometimes the things that we fear in life are the very things that we're supposed to be doing. And so you probably, every single one of you, you know that you have something that you need to be doing. So, you know, in the Bible, I talk about that scripture that God has a hope and a future for us. The biblical definition of... Bible hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength in his faithfulness. And that's so true. God has been so faithful in my life, and I know that he's been faithful in your life. And in Jeremiah 1, 5, in the message, it says, Before I shaped you in, in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the lighted day, I had a holy plan for you. I think the rest of that... A prophet to the nations, that is what I had in mind for you. Now, he's talking to Jeremiah there, but the things that we can take from that is that, number one, he did shape us in our mother's womb. He knew all about us, and before we ever saw the light of day, he had a holy plan for every single one of us. It's not unique. It's not just like, oh, it's for Pastor Phil, but not for Deb. No, it's for all of us. He has a plan for all of us. And you know, when I, when I first got to the Pregnancy Care Center, uh, there was a gentleman, a few guys that came over because we were sending out our spring newsletter and we had 2,000 of them. And I'm like, there must be like a folding machine out there. So I called my sister at Freedom's Door and I'm like, hey, Wanda, do you got a folding machine? She's like, nope, but I'll send you over three guys because they do volunteer work. So they, they come to the Pregnancy Care Center. And um, the one guy says, what do you do here? I'm like, oh, we're like a nonprofit organized, Christian organization that supports women with unplanned pregnancy. And he's like, well, do you tell them there's no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy? And I thought, that's a really good point. You're right. There is no such thing as unplanned pregnancy because even in Psalms 139, it tells us, for he created us in our innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So there is no unplanned pregnancy um, maybe to us it was unplanned, but to God it's not unplanned. And I am um, I'm so grateful that I ended up at the Pregnancy Care Center. I'm so grateful that I'm able to do all that God has called me to do. And I am super grateful that I believe that 
what we need to do at the Pregnancy Care Centre is to bring hope to the girls that we minister to at the Pregnancy Care Centre. That we're called to come alongside them and their babies. And it's not good enough for us to say, hey, don't, um, don't terminate your child. Yes, absolutely, terminating, uh, terminating children is a sin. I believe that with all of my heart. But I also believe that the church needs to come alongside the women at the Pregnancy Care Center and say, how can we support you? What can we do to get you to the next level? What is it that you need in your life? And so that we're not just um, saving babies, but we're actually coming along and saving lives. The women's life count, the children's life count. There's over 404 children that have been saved through the Pregnancy Care Center. It, ha uh, it was opened in... I believe it was 2006, so it's been around for 14 years. And, you know, really, these girls are my heroes. And the reason that they're my heroes is because I think it takes a lot of courage to pick up the phone and to call the Pregnancy Care Center or to send an email to say, I think I might be pregnant. Because often the women that are calling, you know, are not, are not married. And so with that comes so much shame. And so they are incredibly courageous to call. And I think that, you know, when they come into the Pregnancy Care Center, one of the first things we do is do something called options counseling. And so we tell them there are different options, options to um, parent, options to place for adoption, and the risks and procedures when it comes to abortion. And so we inform them, and we believe that an informed decision will make a right decision. And so, um, you know, these women are my heroes because it's difficult to be, be a single parent. I know that. I never expected to be a single parent at the age of 36. It was hard work to be alone. And I don't know if you can imagine right now what it's like to be a single parent, to be at home with your child and... You've been isolated, like Phil said, for 60 days, and it's lonely. And especially if you don't know God, because we, those of us that know God, we know that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us and that he is always with us. But if you don't have God, it's pretty lonely. And we know that things like depression and um, suicide, those things are on the rise right now and, and that even the government is worried about our mental health. But we have each other. And I think that the calling of our church right now, the calling of us as Christians, is that we need to reach out. And what, what could you do? What could you do to reach out and support the women in your community? So how can you help us at the Pregnancy Care Center? Well, the first thing you can do is pray for us. We are literally on the front lines. And so if you could pray for us as we navigate our clients' needs emotionally, materially, uh, spiritually. We're, we've got uh, 15 volunteers that are calling our clients weekly and asking them, is it all right to pray? Asking them if they need any material supports. Our numbers have been staggering. We have gone from, you know, seeing around 30 appointments a month to 90 in March alone, and I think it's 100 and something in April. And that's because of the high need, because you can't really go to the grocery store with the baby. And so they need diapers, wipes, formula, um, gift cards. If you can help us in that way, if you can pray for our clients. Last weekend, Laura was in the, the hospital for, I think, 24 hours with one of our clients as she went through labor. And the hospital is a scary place right now. If you can pray for our clients that are 
um, placing for adoption. We have two right now and two last year. And last summer, Laura was in the, um, the delivery room with the two moms and she was able to um, place the baby from the one mom to the other mom. And, and that's an incredible gift that we're able to do and come alongside. Share about our center because lots of people don't know about our center. And I was telling Phil earlier that it's, it's hard because, you know, we don't want to be way out there because it's political right now. And so if we're advertising everywhere, next thing you know, we might have picketers, right? And we don't want that. And so share about our center. We support any woman, even if uh, there's a young mom who's got a two-month-old, she's welcome to, to contact our center. And, you know, today we would have been here with our baby bottles and we would have done the fun baby bottle fundraiser. We're doing it virtually. I have no idea how that's going to work. Uh, but I was watching the news and there's this 101-year-old guy. I don't know if you heard about this. There's a 101-year-old guy who's doing 101 laps to raise $101,000 for the children. And so if he can do that, I'm like, okay, God, you can more than support the Pregnancy Care Center. And so I'm believing that God is going to do more than we could have asked or imagined right now because these women are important. And I want to say to you guys, KGF, thank you. Thank you for your support over the years for the Pregnancy Care Center. We are so grateful that you come alongside us and you're one of those ch churches in Kelowna that have been incredibly supportive. Thanks so much, Deb. Um, really grateful that you're here this morning and uh just a, we're gonna take just a couple minutes because as you're talking i just have so many questions going through my <laughs> mind and my heart and just so grateful for your vulnerability with your own story so not only you're encouraging us to tell our story but you're modeling it for us and thank you we're trying to get better at telling our stories um so there's one one question that uh, i would like to ask you would be um you know you that beautiful line about there is no unplanned pregnancy every life matters to God. Um, when you're, when, when, what have you observed about what it means to bring, what, what is hope? Um, what does it look like for someone who's facing like this huge decision and the, just such, such a challenging, uh, great fear part of their life that they didn't, they weren't expecting and now you're, you and your team, you're walking into life with them. What does hope practically look like? Like sometimes that can feel like massively overwhelming, not only the person going through it, but to the person trying to offer hope. So what, what does hope practically look like? Well, I think hope practically looks like, um, you know, num one of the number one reasons that a, a woman would choose to terminate is finances. I, I, I'm, I might want a child, but not right now. Like, I, not right now. And so when they know that the pregnancy care center is going to be here for them, not, not for right now, like for two years. We're going to come alongside you and support you for two years. We're going to make sure that you get diapers. We're going to, we have a, um, a material support room that's filled with clothes up to the age of two. Um, if you, we have money for scholarships if they want to go back to school. Like, what is it that would prevent you from moving forward? Like, what, in other words, why do you feel that you need that this isn't the right time for you why, why do you feel that and it's often money it's often i can't do this alone and so like my vision my dream would be not only we as a pregnancy care center can come alongside 
but we can also um, engage the churches and, and, and the whole Kelowna and tap them into the resources in the community to know that, yes, it's not what you plan, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have something for you. And so we have classes for the girls to be able to um, come to. They're, they're lonely, right? So to connect them with other moms to go, oh, because, you know, like even to go to, we've had the, the girls tell us, like, even to go to... Um, you know, the birthing classes, I can't think of what they are off the top of my head, but we, we'll bring that in-house because they're like, we go and it's like parents that are super excited and they're there and they're learning about, you know, having babies. And so we, we actually have nurses and um, that will come in and share on, on breastfeeding and labor and delivery and all that stuff so that they're with other girls just like them that go, hey, I'm, I'm not alone. Like, I'm not the only one being a single parent here. Mm. So for us, it's, it's practical. Like it's from the moment they walk through the door, they meet somebody. Like I have so many volunteers that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, mothers of the faith that just love on those girls. And, and they experience that love, that they're not alone. Okay, I'm not alone. I can do this. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's really holistic, right? It's, it's a mm -hmm. whole people response that you're describing, which is really beautiful. Um, the, this last question I have for you is I was really inspired by the way you told your story and just saying, you know, everybody everybody has a story, right? And yes. sometimes we think, like, the stuff I'm going through, how can that be a blessing to anybody else, right? It's just like it's misery or it's discouragement or depression or whatever it is. And I wonder, how, just maybe describe a little bit, for those of us who are wondering, how do we tell our story? How do we get to the place? Like, you encouraged us to write our testimony, write our story out. What have you learned is really needed, helpful in that process? Like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you get to that place of courageously sitting in this place today, sharing that vulnerability of your life? And what would you say to people who are wondering, how would I even start to do that? Well, you know, like for me, even when I met, I told you, I, I, I met a Christian psychiatrist and I, um, as a Christian, thought Christians can't get depressed. That Christians can't get depressed. Like, I do not have an illness called depression. That's, that's not possible. Like, I'm a Christian, right? Like, and when I met her and I remember saying to her, like, I can't get divorced. Like, and she said, I'm divorced. And I'm like, you are? You're divorced? And, and you know, she literally every week when I'd go there, we'd do the things you're supposed to do because you're dealing with depression. But then we do it experiencing God and we pray together. And so the thing that I learned even from her is that I think that we hide our failures and our weaknesses because we're ashamed of them, but actually it's the very thing that we're supposed to talk about because the things that we've walked through in life are the very things that we have authority in. And so to me, like my separation, my divorce, even I got pregnant as a 16-year-old and ended up making the wrong choice. Like even those things are the very things I was speaking at the banquet and I knew that I would, I'm going to have to tell my story, right, God? And I felt, yes, you are. And this girl, one of our clients was sitting beside Laura, who works at the center and said, the new director is just like me. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, I am. Like, I'm not anybody special. Like, I'm really not. I'm just somebody that has been through things in my life that to this very point, like, the thing is where I thought I should be retiring at the age of 58, I end up executive director, and mom at 78 was going to come volunteer. I, the takeaway I take is 
There is no time with God. There's no time. It doesn't matter what your age is. It's not time to hang up our tennis shoes right now. I think the world just changed for all of us. And it's time for us to tell our stories because when we tell our stories with each other, it builds our faith. Isn't that what, like when you read all the stories of the Bible, it builds our faith. It's like, oh, Moses was afraid to speak too. Oh yeah, he was afraid to speak. I'm afraid to speak God, but that doesn't mean I'm not supposed to. Right. Reminds me of like what Paul says, you know, in my weakness, then I'm strong. It's, it's actually recognizing that it's not about pointing at ourselves of look at, look at my perfectly packaged life. It's look, look at what God has done with the reality of who I am as a sinner who's become a saint. And you've modeled that for us this morning. So thank you, Deb. And thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for the thank work you. of your team. And uh, I want to pray for you, and we will, but I actually want you to pray for us. So could you pray yes. for our church, and then I'll pray for you, and then thank you. Father, I just want to thank you for KGF, Lord. Thank you for their faithfulness to the Pregnancy Care Center. I just pray for every individual that's listening right now, God, and I ask that you would stir in their heart. You know, maybe they just came to know you. Maybe they came to know you like me over 40 years ago, God. And I pray that you would stir that up in them, just the excitement of you coming into their lives. And then I pray that we would risk, God, risk with each other to tell our stories, that we don't have to hide our secrets in the closet, that all of us have gone through difficult times in our life. And it's as we share those things with each other that it builds our faith and that you actually begin to shape and move and, and touch people's lives, Lord. And so I ask Jesus that we would be lights would shine bright in our community. I ask that we would, uh, that this church, that you would give Pastor Phil and the leadership team here, the board, uh, the pastors, wisdom as to what does it look like in the next 12 months, in the next 18 months, Lord. And I pray for those people that you've been calling. I know that you've been calling because if you called me, and you're no respecter of people, Lord. You're calling other people right now to say, okay, I'd be willing to lead a group. Okay, I'd be willing to um, lead a group in, uh, in my home, in my, in my living room. And, and you will develop, and just like Phil said, in our weaknesses, you are made strong, God. And so I pray that, that we would all say, just like in Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a great Bible scholar or anything, but here I am. And we can all say that, God. We can all say that we're willing. We're willing to talk about you. We're willing to read the word. We're willing to prepare. We're willing to lead worship. There's lots of worship leaders out there that you think, oh, you're not good enough, but you are good enough. And God has a place and a plan and a purpose for every single one of you. And so I just ask Jesus, even over this next week, that people would pick up their pen and just start writing their stories because I think it's important that we pass things on from one generation to the next, just like grandma did. I pray that the grandmas and the grandpas will tell the stories to the grandchildren of how they even became believers, Lord. So I just ask Jesus that you will do a work in all of our lives and help us to become everything that you want us to be, Lord. Yeah, Lord, thank you so much for the work of Okanagan Valley Pregnancy Care Center. Thank you for the uh, beautiful young women uh, that have walked and are walking with OVPCC. Mm-hmm. Lord, we pray that you would bless them, speak your word to them, reveal yourself to them, help them to understand that the story that they're walking out is not hopeless, that they are beautiful in your sight, and that you have a plan for them, plans for their children, plans, Lord, to change the future. 
Thank you for how you, you've, 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 you've used Deb's life in that as a model and example. And so we bless her and her team. We mm -hmm. pray that you would meet every need that the Pregnancy Care Center has and that you would bless the work yes, of your Lord. church, your ecclesia throughout this city and around the world in these days. Yes, Give us wisdom and courage, Lord, and bless our sister and her team, we pray in Jesus' yes, name. Amen. Amen.